0: Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCatHome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Welcome to Orange Cast Community Church. My name is Josh Delarosa. As you can see, we're launching a brand new series of messages called The Difference, and today is Easter Sunday. Thanks for joining us. Now, have you ever thought, why do Christians get so worked up about Easter? I mean, what's the big deal about Easter? Easter is this holiday, it's recognized, it's right on the calendar. But isn't this getting a little outdated? I mean, at a certain point, will we sort of just move on and let Easter become sort of a tradition of the past? Nowadays, you don't really have to go far before hearing shots fired at, at organized religion. And some of the criticism on religion is that it's too narrow-minded. Like, people aren't really open to different viewpoints, or, or it's too traditional. Like, while some traditions are acute, Overall we just do we just need to progress and 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 modernize or it's controlling. It was Karl Marx who said religion is the opiate of the masses, meaning it's it's like a drug that just sort of fogs the mind so you can control how people live. And I've I've even heard people say things like this All of the problems of the world come from organized religion. In fact, here's a scathing statement from this article, the, the Problem with Faith, 11 Ways Religion is Destroying Humanity, uh, the quote reads this, It's time to let go and rise above the outdated and cruel exploits of our past that we inherited from our ancestors. We have grown. It's time that our world's religions face the tragic horrors of their past and make honest progression towards love and kindness for all humanity. Now, maybe you've actually had thoughts similar to this, Yourself, Or maybe you know people who've expressed similar ideas, but you're really not sure how to respond or what you think about that. You know, it would appear that negativity towards religion is gaining momentum. In fact, since the 1970s, uh, Gallup has been doing an American uh, poll of America's confidence in various institutions. Such as confidence in the presidency, confidence in the banking system, the news outlets, the public schools, criminal justice, and more. At least 15 large institutions in American life. And when they started in the 1970s, Americans had greater confidence in the church or organized religion than any other institution. Take a look at this graph. From the 1970s through 2019, you can see there's this downward trend uh, related to church or organized religion. And according to this poll, now only 36% of Americans have confidence in the church or in organized religion. Now, at any point in your life, if you've ever been skeptical about Jesus, Christians or Christianity, then you're not alone. If you feel suspicious about religion or what, or what the Christians in your life stand for, others have had those same suspicions. And if you if you hold to Christianity, does that that just sort of put you in the minority? Well, we who are Christians, are we crazy to, to be clinging to Christianity? Are we irrelevant and old-fashioned for having faith in Jesus? Today, is it's Easter Sunday. Today, we, we celebrate, in my view, the most important historical event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This morning right here kicks off a... A new, for us, multi-week message series called "The Difference," and we're going to be exploring the undeniable impact of the whole Christian movement on our world. And if you're hoping that the Christian worldview truly holds water, I've got some really good news for you. Christianity is—it's not under attack the, for the first time. This, this is not new. Various people and governments throughout history have tried to sort of shut down Christianity, to censor. Uh, Christians, censor the Bible, and even lock up Christians. Here's a picture of the Roman Colosseum. I sat and overlooked the Colosseum a few years ago with my wife, and and we imagined those early Christians who refused to bow down to worship the emperor in the first through the fourth century uh, throughout the Roman Empire. Probably many thousands gave up their life. And despite large and, and organized efforts, Christianity has not been stamped out yet. This is not the first time shots have been fired at the Christian faith. Also, Christianity is not held by just a few people. I mean, worldwide, it is no small number of people who believe in Jesus. Pew Research Center did a worldwide study on this topic in 2015, and look at this graph. At the time, there was an estimated 7.3 billion people on the planet And they determined that 2.3 billion, nearly one-third at the time, of the population was recognized as Christian. That is a massive number of of people who believe in Jesus Christ. Even with a, a generous margin for error, that's still a huge number. Also, Christianity is not just a new movement. It was 2,000 years ago that Jesus died and rose from the dead. And sometimes it's hard to to grasp just how long ago that really was. But faith in Jesus, it has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And we stand in this long line. We've inherited this faith. And many of the Christians before us held firm. They held firm while they weathered some very, very choppy waters in society. So where did this Christian faith, where did this movement, begin faith in jesus first started with a bunch of ragtag guys known as the disciples jesus's disciples in fact jesus's first followers they were convinced of his resurrection whenever you study and start doing research on the evidence for the resurrection you'll find not scientific proof but what you do is you weigh the evidence just like a jury in a courtroom and then you render a verdict. And one of the most convincing pieces of, of evidence is the eyewitness testimony of the disciples, the followers, who were appointed to be the, the apostles, the ones who would be sent out to share this message. And eventually, it was through them that launched this whole Christian movement. They spent three years with Jesus, watching him live and teach. They would be fully acquainted with Jesus' attitudes His habits, they saw him live up close, they saw his practices, and and in the end, they watched him die. A horrible death as a criminal on the cross. Some watched him right up there close, right at the foot of the cross, mostly a group of women and one of his male uh, disciples, his followers, a man named John. Others had scattered out of fear, but Jesus was confirmed to be dead by his Roman, by these Roman executioners, people who... uh, they professionally knew how to uh, execute individuals. And, and so he was confirmed to be dead. After he'd been hanging on the cross for six hours, uh, the guards, the Roman guards, went to uh, break his legs because that is what they would do to speed up the crucifixion process. And when they went to do that, they, they noticed he was already dead. So they pierced his side and it, it ruptured the heart, blood, and water flowed out. He was declared dead. That was a sign of death had already occurred. Now, the book of Acts picks up after his death on the cross. So look at Acts chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible reads this, that after he had suffered, he also presented himself, speaking of Jesus, alive. He presented himself alive to them, meaning the apostles, by many convincing proofs. This is a key phrase, many convincing proofs. Jesus appeared and presented himself alive to the disciples. Appearing to them, it says, during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. There's a very strong piece of evidence here for the resurrection. It's the fact that these followers, these men, refused to stop sharing the gospel and the news that Jesus rose from the dead even under threat of imprisonment and death threats, they just refused to be quiet. They refused to be silenced and hushed because they were convinced that Jesus actually resurrected. Now, Simon Peter was one of the first of the apostles of the men to discover the fact of the resurrection. I want to back up to the beginning of Sunday morning. This is found in the Bible, Luke chapter 24, and read the account from the Gospel of Luke. And so take a look at Luke 24, beginning with verse 1. On the first day of the week, Very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, this is actually a group of women, came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. These were the same women who had watched him die. They were uh, at the foot of the cross, they were involved both in watching that and then after he was dead and and taken down from the cross, they were involved in the burial, a, a basically brief burial uh, uh, preparation. They went home after the burial and pre- began to prepare spices. This would have been on Friday, on a Friday. And then the, began the Sabbath and so uh, they didn't go out, they didn't journey out, they didn't work on the Sabbath, but on the Sunday, which was the first day of the week, the day after the Sabbath, this is what happens. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Something is not right. They went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. These are angels. So the women were terrified. They bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? asked the men. He's not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. Be crucified and rise on the third day. And they remembered his word. See, Jesus had already told people this is what was going to happen. It's all coming back to them now. Verse 9, returning from the tomb. So they leave the tomb and they reported all these things to the eleven. These are the other disciples and to all the rest. And Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. When he stopped, stooped to look in, he only saw the linen cloths. So he went away amazed at what had happened. Now, I would imagine that Peter was an extrovert. He was also impulsive, but God, he used these characteristics to launch the Christian movement as Peter was one of the bold leaders who began preaching to people. Now, after Jesus' resurrection, uh, Jesus appeared to people. He appeared to Two disciples who were walking down a road, and after seeing Jesus on the road, this these these two disciples ran back to the eleven. These were not a part of the uh, twelve disciples. So you have twelve disciples, one betrayed, a man named Judas betrayed. So there was left over. There was eleven, but there was these other followers. These other people who learned from Jesus followed him closely, and so Jesus appears to these two men on a road to a town named Emmaus. After they have this encounter with Jesus on the road, these two disciples run, and it it says in Luke uh, 30, uh, verses 33 and verse 34 from chapter 24, that they found the eleven, and those who were with them, gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. So they're bearing witness to the resurrection. You know that every one of the eleven disciples who remained after after Judas betrayed Jesus those of those eleven, you know, every one of them built their lives around telling others about the resurrection and the power of Christ. In fact, ten of the eleven died a martyr's death for their faith in Christ. The word martyr, it literally means witness. These disciples, they witnessed to the resurrection right up until their own deaths. And Peter was crucified. He was martyred by crucifixion, and he was asked to He asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy to be crucified like Jesus. Now, this really begs the question, who would die for a lie? I mean, really think about that. Who would die for a lie? This is one of the strongest pieces of evidence for the resurrection. These men would know if the resurrection was a lie and didn't happen, the fact that they went to their death instead is compelling evidence. Again, they had a convincing proof in their mind that Jesus was alive. He'd risen. All sorts of people through uh, history have set out to disprove this. One man named Simon Greenleaf, he was a Jewish professor of law at Harvard. Here's a picture of him. Considered in his day the greatest authority in the U.S. on evidence in the courtroom. Uh, What he did was he was challenged to apply the rules of evidence to the resurrection, and as he studied the account of the Bible and as he sort of scrutinized this issue, he did that and he became a follower of Christ. And many others have tried to disprove the resurrection and ended up giving their lives to follow Jesus Christ and writing books uh, based on the evidence of the resurrection. For example, here's a handful of them. Edmund Bennett, he was the dean of law at Boston University and he did the same thing as Greenleaf. Frank Morrison, another gentleman, he wrote a book titled, Who Moved the Stone? The, the very first chapter, uh, the, the title of the very first chapter in the book is this. It's the book that refused to be written because he started writing to disprove the resurrection. And then in the course of the investigation, he decided to follow Christ. Josh McDowell, another, another man, he was a law student who put in at least 700 hours of study, to refute the resurrection, and he couldn't do it. He now speaks around the world on the evidence uh, in support of the resurrection. Lee Strobel, another man, was an investigative journalist who tried to disprove Christianity. He couldn't do so, so he followed Christ and became a pastor, and now he speaks powerfully around the world about the difference that Christ makes. J. Warner Wallace, he was a uh, atheistic homicide detective who applied the rules of, of homicide investigations To the resurrection and determined the testimony of the disciples was real. And he ended up giving his life to Christ. I want to show you a clip from, uh, J. Warner Wallace talking about this question. Did the disciples just lie about all
0: of this? So take a look. Sometimes people will ask me, well, how how can you be sure that the disciples who either wrote scripture or who testified about Jesus in the first century weren't lying either about the resurrection or about the details of Jesus' life? Could this whole thing we call Christianity just be a fabrication, a lie on the part of the disciples? Well, I kind of have three answers for that and five answers for that. I'll give it to you quickly. The three is this. In all my work as a detective, I've learned that People only commit a murder for one of three reasons. That's it, and the same is true for lying, stealing. We only lie, steal, cheat, sin, commit murder for one of three reasons. These are the only three motives that drive bad behavior. you ready? It's not hard to figure out, actually. One is financial greed. Two is sexual or relational lust. And three is the pursuit of power. So if we're going to suggest that the disciples lied it would only be for one of those three reasons. And ask yourself, what did they get out of this in those three areas? Did they get wealth? Did they get, uh, you know, uh, uh, lots of girlfriends? <laughs> did they get um, in a powerful position? Think about Paul. Paul started off in a powerful position, writes most of the New Testament and ends up struggling through most. He's chased all over the empire and ends up being suffering for his faith. To do what? To eventually go back and be in a position of power he started off with? He could have stayed where he was and had power. So in the end, I'm looking for motive. And I don't see any motive for these folks to lie, but there's even more. The five, remember I told you had three and five. There are five things that are required for anyone to successfully pull off a conspiracy. Maybe you haven't thought about that. Here they are. Smallest number of people who are conspiring together. Two people can lie, tell a secret, keep a secret more easily than, say, 22 or 222. Also, keep it for the smallest possible amount of time. Keeping a secret for a day is easier than keeping a secret for for a year also great communication between co-conspirators. If I stop one of you and question you, you better be able to tell the other person what you told me so I can get the same data from the second person. Four, have good strong family relationships because family members don't ever rat off on each other. They don't don't tell each other's secrets. And lastly, five, no pressure. If no one's applying pressure, don't worry about it. You're going to get away with it. Now, ask yourself the question, were those five Necessary requirements for a successful conspiracy available to the disciples. There's far too many of them. Remember, Paul says there's over 500 who saw the risen Christ on the same day who were available to the Corinthian church to be interviewed. Really? If you told me there's a conspiracy with 500 people, I would already say that's not reasonable. And then they're going to hold it for how long? Over 60 years? Really? So 500 people keep this secret for 60 years. And then how do they communicate with each other to make sure the story stays the same when they've been separated all the way from India to Spain? Uh, Really. They're not Snapchatting each other in the first century, okay? So how are they keeping the secret together? And are there some family members? Yeah, there are some brother groups there, but Matthew is not related to anyone. He writes a gospel. What's in it for him? He was the tax collector called Levi, who wasn't even a disciple of John the Baptist, who then ends up holding on to this claim his entire life and then dies miserably as a result of it. And finally, do they, do they suffer you know, any kind of pressure? Uh, yuck. As a matter of fact, we know that the, m- many of these folks were martyred for their beliefs. And we have no record of anyone ever recanting their beliefs. So if you ask me, is it possible that they could have lied? Well, anything is possible, so I will typically say yes, but it is certainly not reasonable. And that's the standard beyond a reasonable doubt that I want to meet when I'm trying to decide if someone is lying to me. You can
1: actually check out a book from J. Warren Wallace called Cold Case Christianity. You can check that out. You can purchase that for yourself. Or you can just look online and find all sorts of videos uh, posted to his website to read more about his findings and his overall journey. If that really uh, intrigues you and you like to learn more. Now what many of these people have concluded is that the most compelling evidence for the resurrection is the testimony that we read about of the first disciples. Those apostles who witnessed the crucifixion, or who knew that he uh, had had been arrested, tried, sentenced to death, then died and was buried? It's those it's those evidence, those those it's the eyewitness testimonies of people who saw Jesus after all of that, saw him alive. You see, it was those apostles, those disciples who went to their death with this story. They went to their death testifying about the fact of the resurrection. Now today, I, I'm not sure where you're personally at on the journey of exploring the evidence in support of the resurrection of Jesus. You might actually put yourself in one of these different categories regarding the evidence in support of the resurrection. Maybe you feel like you're a little bit uh, convinced already, you're growing more convinced, or maybe you're firmly convinced. It could be that you're you're there, just like the disciples. For those of you who claim to follow Christ, this would describe where you're currently at. In fact, maybe attending church or watching online or or attending a live church gathering maybe that's your regular practice to celebrate the resurrection and to learn more about life in Christ you're the person maybe that's taking notes you're, you're giving thought you're reading the Bible regularly you're, you're encouraged you're strengthened you're eager to, to put uh, what, what you've learned into practice into your life another mark of the convinced is that people are convinced they actually share the message with others they share and invite others to explore for themselves the Christian faith. They bring others to Jesus. And maybe that's what even led you to explore this website and this message. Is Maybe you were invited by someone who's convinced of the resurrection. Or maybe you would say, no, I'm not convinced. Maybe at this point, I feel like I'm more like someone who, who's curious. Maybe you're here and you're exploring, but you're genuinely uh, just asking questions. You're open to... To learn more, you're, you're interested. You're leaning in. You're, you're uh, maybe in the past you never were quite that curious, but now you've the circumstances in your life have caused you to turn your your focus and attention to Christianity, into this story. Did Jesus actually live and die, and then resurrect from the dead? Like all of these Christians that go to these churches, why would they do this? Why why would I do that? Why would I spend one of my only days off? not sleeping in? Or why would I pile everyone in my family into the car to go and be with a bunch of strangers and listen to a message from some random stranger and hear some Christian music? Maybe this whole church thing is the right thing to do, but I'm not convinced yet. I'm curious, but I'm not convinced yet. Or or maybe you would say, neither of those words describe you. Maybe you would say, I feel a little bit more like, similar to like a critic. You're here, but if you're honest... Someone else has put you up to this. You you agreed to watch this, you agreed to attend, but you'd really rather not. And maybe you think, well, it's just one time a year, I'm just doing this as a favor, and and, and then I'll just go back to, to my life. Or there are even those who, they're not even, they're not tuning in, they're not watching, they're not, they're not even exploring at all. In fact, 29% right now would say, they would describe themselves as not interested, religious Religious uh, non-affiliation, no affiliation. The critic would say that, that this story in the Bible is false. That's what the critic would say. No one rose from the dead. This is not true. This is, some would say this is just a fairy tale, a myth, in which, in the view of some, is destroying humanity as just another organized religion. So I want you to consider this. On your list of personal priorities for this year, you may have had a list, something like this. Life priorities for 2022. Plan a summer vacation. Maybe, but with gas prices, that was the plan, but now maybe a staycation. Or number two, do my taxes on time. It's tax season, the deadline is now. <laughs> number three, eat healthier. Number four, explore evidence for the resurrection. Number five, exercise daily. And then number six, uh, grow a beard. I mean, let's face it, for many, this point, on the screen, number four, point number four, explore evidence for the resurrection. This is not likely to make your list of goals unless, unless you've truly hit a point of questioning or or you, you're you're at a genuine evaluation point in your life. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're really reflecting right now and you have shifted your focus to for the first time to 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 genuinely and and realistically. Dig in for yourself to the Bible to consider Christianity. Or maybe you're, you're tuning in and you're actually open. Like on the inside, you say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this a shot. I want to try to understand this. I'm spiritually willing to explore this. Well, this tradition has had an undeniable impact and just keeps changing lives. And here's why. It's because resurrection power has changed the world. For us here at OCC and countless other Christian churches around the world and even in our city, we hold certain days in high regard. Christmas is the day when we celebrate God sending his son to be born of a woman, sending his son Jesus to earth. And Easter is the day when we celebrate Jesus' victory over death when he rose after dying on the cross for the sin of the world. And for our sin, for yours and my sin. And so Easter for us is a big day. We go to tremendous efforts to invite our community to church whether online exploring or to live to come and check things out in fact all of the the christian churches in town we make easter a really big deal and so you've seen yard signs people i love easter we're putting up yard signs just inviting people and so you've accepted an invitation to check out what is easter all about and we're so glad that you have but without the resurrection of jesus What we find is this. We're in a hopeless state. In fact, the Bible captures this in a letter, 1 Corinthians. This is a letter from a first century Christian leader and pioneer. His name was Paul. And he wrote this, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. It reads, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Wow. That's a that's a pretty hard-hitting statement. If Christ hasn't been raised, if he didn't rise from the dead without the resurrection, he says, your faith, he's writing to a group of Christians, your faith is worthless. This is a waste of time. Don't continue. If Christ hasn't raised from the dead, you're still dead in your sins. Paul, he's just reminding people that this event, the resurrection, what we're celebrating today, it's a game changer. The Christian belief is that All people on planet earth have sinned. We've all gone our own way in life. And our our sin has broken our fellowship with God. It has separated us from God, our creator. So God, out of love, he sent his son Jesus to earth. In the person of of Jesus, the the son of God was sent to earth. He came, he lived a perfect life, and then he was accused unjustly. And he died a cruel death on the cross to pay for our sin. The Bible says that on the third day, he rose again, and we celebrate that today. And if you join us for the rest of this series, we're going to be highlighting the major impact of the Christian movement around the world. Take a look at the the focus of our series, this series, The Difference. Next week, we're going to, we're going to look at how God brings change through political leaders into nations. And then the week after that, we're going to be looking at global compassion and aid. We'll be talking about the relief efforts of Christians who were prompted by God to do something, to make a difference Uh, when crisis and catastrophe strikes a week after that on mother's day we're going to be talking about a message called the raising inherent worth and we're going to talk about uh, how the christian movement has has raised the value of women and children after that we're going to look at removing racial barriers the value of all human life regardless of race or ethnicity and then the last week we're going to have look at a message called despite opposition and We'll just explore this issue of how the Christian movement has grown and grown and grown and grown, even under the threat of very real persecution. You know, people get really frustrated with organized religion. And Christianity just sort of gets lumped into the pile of all organized religion. But we aim to show in this series how Christianity has been a major force for good. In fact, there's a great deal of good in our world that we take for granted that comes right out of the Christian movement. And we're going to highlight much of it in this series. And so we would invite you to come back uh, either online or live Sundays at the Orange Cherish Community Center. Christianity itself has had this huge sweeping impact on history. It continues to grow all throughout the world. And you might really question that. It's totally okay if that's you. If you're thinking, "Ah, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if it's all that good. Well, we put this series of messages together to really analyze This statement right here. Is the world better or worse off because of Christianity? Now, let's assume that some of you question the worth of Christianity, but you're longing for a more meaningful, a more fulfilling life. And let's face it, there's brokenness in our world and in, I would say, all of our lives. And people may think that religion just sort of leads to problems, but actually Jesus came To solve the problems of the world. Jesus brings hope. He brings healing. And God raised Jesus to life to change us and to change this world that we're living in. Something else we'd love you to consider is, if you're convinced or even curious, is this. Will you return week after week? And even just next week. Will you return next week so you can consider how you can personally get involved in the Christian movement? Get involved in the movement. Seeing first, Families Restored. Our church has had an over 14-year focus on helping families build, grow, repair damage because, let's face it, life is messy. And even just to navigate the challenges that we all face. And that just might be your need today. Maybe you're a dad or a mom or a, or a grandparent, and you're concerned about the future of the world that your kids or your grandkids will inherit. Well, your involvement here can make a tangible difference, also, your collective involvement here helps to, it helps communities in our area get built up. The city that we're living in, we have a strong heritage of Christ followers here who have been a light to the surrounding community. And churches in any city can just enrich that community, that city, through offering connecting opportunities, strengthening relationships, and even just making our city a great place to live and to stay in and even to relate. And so your involvement with us can help us boost this community we want we would invite you to come and explore with us finally your engagement and participation with us helps to fuel life change which which could be exactly what you're longing for maybe the info and this evidence that we're talking about all that we've covered has been helpful but you still want to know what does this mean for me if that's where you're at you know the bible says that that god made us all he made us to relate to him But we rebelled. We've all gone our own way. And our sin has separated us from God. And God, out of his love, he saw our condition, our brokenness, our need. And he sent his own son to earth. That's Jesus Christ. He came. He lived a perfect life. And God's plan was that he would offer his son up in place of the penalty that we deserved to pay for our rebellion. So that we could experience forgiveness Our life of sin, and that we could begin a new life. His resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, is the first uh, of life change. That we could experience a new life in Christ. Our sin can be paid for. A new quality of life here and now, as God comes to live inside of his his people, uh, in the person of the the Holy Spirit. And then, as we move on into eternal life, at the end of of, uh, our life here on earth, you know, you can experience life change in Christ. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you'd like to talk to us more about that. But God has, He has made an undeniable impact in our world, and even down to individual lives. Now, here's a story of one life that has been changed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'd love to uh, have you take a look at this.
2: One way that God came through for me was uh, about 25, 26 years old. I was working a lot. I was single. I was lonely a lot of brokenness in my life. So I turned to uh, alcohol to medicate the pain that I was experiencing. I was critical of people in my life who claimed to be Christian followers and how they lived their lives, but it was very easy for me to just point out all the flaws and all their shortcomings in their life. I was also critical of myself. I thought once I accepted God to be the boss that all my problems would be fixed and I wouldn't have any struggles. I was curious about the God of the Bible but I was also curious to find out if he was going to be who he said he was going to be if he could be trusted if he was going to show grace and mercy and love I uh, was drinking a lot three or four times a week going to work, drunk just whatever I could do to take away that pain and uh, one night I uh, just asked God if you're real, if you're the person that you say you are in the Bible that you'll just take this alcohol taste away from me About a day later, I could not stand the smell of alcohol. I actually went to start to start drinking again, like my normalcy, and uh, I couldn't stand it. It repulsed me. The greatest impact the crisis had on my life is being uh, a husband, of course, but uh, having my children, being a father. Through this process of being a father, I have got to see a small snippet of how God really loves me. Around the age of three or four years old, I started taking my parenting seriously with uh, my son and getting around other godly people, asking for wisdom, asking how to do it, being vulnerable, asking lots of questions that I struggled with. Didn't want my pride to get in there and, and hold me back from that, but really just God getting a hold of my heart and changing my perspective and my value system. Serving also in the church has made a huge impact. Uh, I serve right now in Kids Zone with the older boys and just get to see the next generation and, and be a part of that to raise up the next richest generation. I would tell someone that if they were on the fence about asking God to be the boss, that God can handle their curiosity and their criticism. If you find yourself in that position, just ask that you just take that next step. God is real. He's not going to rip you off. He's going to be there for you. He's going to show you his love, his mercy, and so much grace.
1: Aren't those powerful stories of people here, part of our church, in, in your community, whose lives have been radically impacted by Jesus Christ? Now, Here's some specific next steps as we wrap up. First, maybe your next step is to commit your life to Christ for the very first time. Maybe you've... Determined that you've never done it, you've never responded to the Christian message of what Jesus has done, that He died for your sin. Uh, you admit that you need Him, that your sin has separated you from God, and you're ready to turn away from your sin and turn towards God and yield your life to him, that he would be the Lord and the Savior of your life. If that's where you're at today, and you're ready to do that, you can simply, you can do that right now. You can surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Uh, please let us know if you've done that, if you're ready to do that. Really, you can express that in a prayer to God. God, I, I admit that I'm a sinner. I've gone my own way. I, I, I agree uh, that my way has led to a life of problems or life of, of uh, challenges and it has separated me from you I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins he died and he rose again and I believe that and I agree to turn away from my sin and to turn towards you God and I'm ready to make you the Lord, the boss, Savior of my life, I invite you to do that now I receive you Christ Jesus right now come into my life, come into my life and change me, it's in Jesus name we pray, amen if you prayed that prayer and you've uh you, you pray that from the heart, uh, then we would love to know. And we'd love to come alongside you and help you grow. And so please let us know on your digital connection card so we can respond to you very soon. We'd love to, to clarify any questions you've got. Maybe you're not quite ready to make that decision, but please let us know on your connection card so we can follow up with you. The second thing is this. Come back to explore Christianity further. Join us for this series of messages. We've got some exciting messages, and I know it will help you as you're journeying through this process it'll strengthen you also if you're already a christ follower come and see the difference that the christian movement has made third thing call out to god and ask him to reveal himself maybe you're uh, maybe you're curious maybe you're 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 here because you're open i would just say begin to pray call out to god and just say god i'm listening i want to know more please reveal yourself to me and then last Sign up to Serve Our City on May the 7th. This is something specific that if you live locally and like to get to know others from our church, again, on your, on your uh, connection card or on the uh, Church Center app, you can certainly let us know that you'd like to serve with us. We're going to be serving our community, making a difference right here in Riverside, and we'd invite you to be part of that. And so next week, uh, if you come out for our live service, you can join us. We've got a spring picnic to connect with others at OCC, but let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, Easter Sunday. Thank you for the news that Jesus has been risen. He is risen from the dead, and he changes our lives. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate that with many others today. We thank you for those that have joined, that are, that are curious, and even those that might have described themselves in the past as a critic, but maybe now there's this openness, and there's a, there's an interest to explore further. I pray for each person that's watching, Lord, that you would accomplish your purposes in their lives, and that you would draw them closer and closer uh, to know you in a very real way. So we commit uh, the rest of this service and this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.